stand Sometimes you turn your back to the wind There's a world that's really dark and cold Where blues won't haunt you anymore With the brave I free another soul Come ride with me to the distant show We won't hesitate Break down the garden gate There's not much time left today Car Radio, you're on 910 AM, the Superstation. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, and great to have you on the program from noon to, 12, noon to 2 p.m. today in the best car program in all of radio, and we have a great program for you. Got lots to talk about, talking BMW electric cars, talking a lot of electric cars, actually. We also got a big lineup uh, from Stellantis, who introduced electrified plans across their 14 brands this week. That's a lot of brands. And that's a lot of electrification. So we'll be talking uh, a little later in the hour about that with Daron Levine. We'll uh, uh, be talking uh, in the second hour with Stephen Cole-Smith, uh, bringing us up to date on the latest racing news, which inc- includes some really interesting stuff uh, for you IMSA fans, as IMSA uh, coordinates worldwide with prototype racing come 2023. Everybody's going to be racing the same prototype. We're very excited about that in the racing world. Uh, we are going to kick off the program, though, talking about BMW iX and i4. And if you want to join the conversation, give us a call here at 313-778-7600. And as always, you can also find us uh, alive at the Facebook page for 910 AM, as well as on iHeartRadio. Well, we're joined uh, with our first guest here, Robin Warner, good friend of the program. Robin, how are you? I'm doing well, Henry. How are you? Doing good. Great to have you on the program. You can find all of Robin's stuff on YouTube uh, to, at the Robin Warner channel, right? How, how, what's the best way to find you on YouTube, Robin? Well, if if you just search, if you go on YouTube and search Robin Warner, I think I'm one of the people that pop up, but I'm also youtube.com slash C slash Robin Warner, and that gets that gets to my YouTube page as well. And uh, it's got my most recent video is on two BMWs you just mentioned. Yeah, and, and they're 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 great uh, videos. I recommend them to folks uh, out there. Robin's got a, a great sense of humor as well as a keen eye for uh, for cars. Has a lot of experience as an engineer, uh, and uh, and sitting on both sides of the of the aisle. He's worked uh, for automakers, and he's uh, and he's been on the media side for some time. So. Uh, a lot of great insights from Robin. What, what do you think of these uh, new BMWs? Well, hey, Henry, first of all, I really appreciate that compliment. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm excited for these. This seems to be real progress in the EV world that now we're starting to talk about um, battery ranges from mainstream automakers that start with a three. So 300 miles of range for both a a, a good size sedan. This is nearly a 190 inch long sedan and also 300 uh, miles of range for, you know, a seriously uh, 195 inch long SUV. So pretty darn big SUV and a good size sedan, both offering 300 miles of range. So 
electric cars are really starting to get into mainstream numbers that can make us comfortable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they go 300 miles under your lead foot or my lead foot, but <laughs> <laughs> that is that is always a challenge. I got a Tesla Model Three, and uh, I, I I can't get anywhere near the uh, the 300 miles that that thing has claimed uh, to get. But uh, well, boy, you get there a lot faster, don't you, Henry? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the challenge. You want to you want to get there, or do you want to get there fast? That's always a challenge with electric cars. <laughs> the the, the, um, the the thing that's interesting to me, though, Robin, with these two cars, um, uh, you, you mentioned the three hundred mile range, which is uh, getting into the sweet spot of how people drive, but also these two cars, the iX, which is a, a midsize SUV, and the i four which uh, occupies the com- compact uh, luxury space. Uh, these are two mainstream segments. I mean, uh, BMW has been at this for a while with their iBrand, and their f- first two efforts uh, were a little funky. The i3 was a, a B-segment car that just doesn't, that, that segment virtually <laughs> doesn't exist in this country. Uh, it exists in Europe, but it's, it doesn't really exist here in the United States. And then the other car, one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen, but it was a $150,000 uh, Gullwing uh, supercar. So iX, i4 seem to be a little more in the sweet spot of the market, too. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And the i8, that last one you mentioned, the $150,000 supercar, that was a plug-in hybrid, wasn't even an EV. So these are two full-on battery electric vehicles right in the middle of really competitive segments in the automotive market, absolutely. So, yeah, BMW is going right into the deep end of EVs with these two models. Yeah, I, the, the i8, did you ever drive an i8? I did, yes. Uh, you know, cool, cool, quirky cars, really interesting sound from that three-cylinder engine that they use as a, as a battery charger, basically. Um, very interesting car, futuristic, absolutely. Yeah, just just painfully beautiful car. I, I, I loved. Uh, they did some really innovative styling with that car. It'll be interesting to see how that does in the in the collector's market because now it's they, they've ended production, I believe. So you got a defined number of those in the market. But um, how do you think that'll? How do you, you know? It was sort of an interesting tweener between supercars and. And, uh, and and green cars. How, how do you think that thing will age? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think you're right that the styling of that car will carry it forward for a while, and it kind of falls into a, a weird in-between place in terms of pricing as well because you have the Porsche 918, the McLaren P1, and the, uh, the Ferrari um, uh, the crazy Ferrari hybrid, you know, million-dollar cars, crazy performance from those hybrids and plug-in hybrids. And uh, then you had this segment, which was basically the BMW on its own for a while, and then Acura stepped in with the NSX in 2017. And the BMW definitely was the more um, eye-grabbing of the two. So... Uh, I think I think it'll be the type of thing that 20 years from now people look back and say, "Oh wow, 
remember when this was the latest in technology. Yeah, yeah, I think the, uh, the I mean, uh, uh, scissor doors always age well, but uh, the lines on that thing are are quite pretty. So, uh, so that's that's the Halo car. Now you got uh, these two mainstream cars, the iX uh, and i4. Um, the the iX seems to be the new Halo. There's a lot of interesting technology in that in this uh, new SUV. Uh, what impressed you about that vehicle? Well, with that car, I really liked the flat floor. Now that we don't have to worry about drive shafts running between the front and back of the car, you can have nice low and flat floors. That was really nice. That really long curved uh, screen that made up both the instrument cluster and the infotainment screen, I thought that was really beautiful and well done. And I really liked the the wood detail they use, they actually have wood with buttons implanted into the wood and it's real wood. And they even made some claims about environmentally harvested wood that also make up the buttons. And so I thought those were some really interesting details, but all of that is secondary to the fact that you've got, as we mentioned, 300 miles of range, theoretically, um, but also 516 horsepower, from two electric motors and 564 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, those are pretty healthy numbers. And and uh, I, I, the the one thing that intimidated me a little bit those numbers are great. The other na- na- number that intimidated me a little bit the BMW X5, which is comparable in size to the iX, uh, is a is a very good selling. Uh, BMW SUV, gas-powered SUV, that starts at $60,000. This uh, BMW iX starts at $84,000. Is that, um, you know, as, as, as somebody who's who's been on the industry side as well as an engineer, is that a competitive price, do you think? Or do you, or do you think uh, BMW is going to have to bring that price down to get folks into the vehicle? I I think that they they are benefiting from the fact that they're a luxury brand and that they they have uh, just as so you say plenty of other options in that size for people that so I think that as a starting place and just as you mentioned at the top this is kind of a halo model in a lot of ways I don't think they'll have problems selling them you know I I think a lot of people looked at the prices of Tesla's and couldn't believe it, yeah, and 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 Tesla is selling just fine, right? So I think that it's actually going to be no problem for them. Yeah, and I, I think that's definitely the target. You see, a model Tesla Model X is starting about eighty thousand dollars. So uh, that's uh, that that they're, they're certainly, uh, and, and as far as the battery powered market, yeah, they're they're going right at the market leader in that segment. I, the, the the thing that's interesting to me, too, about these cars, these electric cars, is that they they look a lot like concept cars, which is cool. Uh, I mean, Tesla obviously introduced, yeah, Tesla introduced a very cool interior no one had ever seen before. That was, I think that was as much a selling point of that car as the electrification aspect. And now you see cars like the BWID4 has a very unusual interior very different 
than what you see in other VWs. And it's the same with this BMW. Get into it. It's got that floating center console. As yeah. as you mentioned, this big uh, uh, continuous dash screen, almost like something you'd see on your desktop, uh, you know, like a trip <laughs> you know, trip pitch. Like uh, a gaming computer almost for your, for your racing yeah, that's, games, that's, right? Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I like that these guys are pushing the design envelope. Yeah, and you know we have we have more and more and more powerful electronics that make it easier to make different packaging decisions. You know, we're in this weird place where uh, the shape of a car was fundamentally driven by having cooling space and um, air space, everything else for the engine and all the powertrain, you know, the drive shafts and the wheels and axles, all that. With electric powertrains and battery packs, that's shifting the priorities around of what the car's shape needs to be. So you see, I've, you see designers creeping into new territory where uh, they have different ways to play with space than they did before because they're not constrained by the limitations um, from a big and very heat-intensive engine. So I think that's that's playing a role as well. I mean, you know, you open up the hood of the sedan, the I4, and there's just a big piece of plastic under the hood, and they're like, well, we didn't really know what to put there, frankly. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's really fascinating seeing how the design of cars shifts with EVs, and that includes both the exterior and the interior. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you mentioned the... the um I-4. I was a little less impressed with that vehicle. I mean, this is a vehicle uh, that not only competes against the uh, 3 Series BMW, very similar size, actually shares uh, a uh, platform uh, with with the 3 Series, uh, but putting the batteries in the basement. But uh, this is a vehicle that's aimed at the Model 3, huge selling vehicle for uh, for Tesla. In fact, uh, briefly, has been the best selling luxury car in the United States. And that's a fifth that this, this is a vehicle starts at fifty six thousand dollars. That's about fifteen grand north of the uh, BMW three series. It's pretty much in the Tesla Model three sweet spot, but I wonder I I, I wonder if there's enough there to differentiate the I four from other vehicles in the segment. You mentioned that the uh, the front hood, there's no funk there. I think a lot of electric customers expect to see a funk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays because, you know, that car is technically a hatchback. Um, it's modeled after the uh, 4 Series Grand Coupe. So it's, you know, it doesn't have the traditional sedan shape. It looks to be pretty spacious inside. But it, you're right, it doesn't seem to be taking a full advantage of all the potential um, potential advantages you get from an electric car. Though, I will say the M50 version with two motors and 536 horsepower, it claims zero to 60 in under four seconds. Now, I don't know how that compares with the Model 3, if that's better or the same, roughly, but um, it's certainly not going to be a slouch. Yeah, no, these these things are always going to be quick off the line. Heck, a Chevy Bolt is quick off the line. Um, <laughs> true, very true. 
Yeah, it's nice to have instant electric motor torque. Uh, uh, Robin, before I, I let you go, uh, uh, last time uh, you and I were uh, in the booth together, so to speak, was at the Detroit Grand Prix, um, and we, we had a ball over there on Belle Isle uh, covering the uh, Detroit Grand Prix weekend. Yeah, what's uh, what, what are you looking at in the racing world these days? Well, you know, Formula One has been very interesting the fall of uh, – uh, the new championship sh- championship shift going around, and it was really nice to see uh, Joseph Newgarden finally break through and get his first win at Mid Ohio. That happened last weekend, and uh, similar to what happened, I think it was uh, Detroit, where or no, maybe it was Road America, where he was running really well and then had a gearbox issue just the last couple of laps, and uh, this time he held on, had a win. And it was really nice to have an American win in a Penske on the 4th of July. So uh, IndyCar's just been putting on one great show after another. Yeah, they really have. And, and New, New Garden, is, he's the total package, I tell you. That, that, that guy uh, impresses me every time I see him, both uh, on track and off track. I, I think he's one of the most mature uh, drivers I've, I've seen in a long time. He's right there with Dixon, I think. As a professional. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. Yeah. Well, Robin, I uh, appreciate uh, your time as always. Uh, we're going to follow up talking uh, about the BMW with uh, Don Smith here in the next segment. I, I take this segment with him. I know you spent a lot of time with him at uh, the BMW unveil as well. And uh, so That's we're going right. to hear a little bit from him about the engineering of this thing. Yeah, very good. Don was uh, Don was very well informed. He had a lot of good insight to bring. So uh, I think that'll be a good conversation. But uh, always great to talk to you, Henry. And I hope you have some time to enjoy the wonderful Michigan weather we have today. It's a nice day out there. Robin, you have a great weekend. All right. Thank you, sir. You do the same. All right. That's Robin Warner. And you can find uh, all of his uh, great work. On YouTube, uh, just look look for Robin Warner on YouTube. Uh, you can also find him at robinwarner.com. Uh, 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 former uh, uh, industry engineer, uh, f- uh, former managing editor at Auto Week. Uh, we always enjoy having Robin on the program. Uh, we're going to take a brief break here. On the, on the other side of the break, we'll be talking more about the BMW iX and i4 here on Car Radio. You've got big dreams, but you've got big responsibilities, too. At Detroit Public Schools Community District, we believe it's never too late to continue learning. That's why we've partnered with Detroit at Work to provide an enhanced adult education program that is free and flexible. DPSCD can help you get your GED or high school diploma while learning critical workforce skills. DPSCD's enhanced adult education program is designed to build your future and help you land a good-paying job. Please visit DetroitAtWork.com. So, you've decided to go to college. That's cool. So, pop quiz. Which is a better way to earn your degree? 
Commute to college and fill your gas tank, get stuck in traffic, drive in bad weather, try to find a parking space, walk a half mile to class, or learn online at Independence University. In the park on a bench, on the beach on a towel, or on your couch with your kid, your campus is wherever you want it to be. You don't go to college. College goes to you. That's Independence. That's Independence University. You schedule classes around your schedule and all your supplies, including a brand new laptop and tablet are included with tuition. At Independence U, you'll learn from professional instructors with real work experience. You'll get personal support in school and employment assistance when you graduate. Get your degree, but keep your life. That's Independence. That's Independence University. So if you're really smart, you call now. Call 1-800-556-7791. Independence U for an independent U. Call 1-800-556-7791. If you or a loved one underwent hernia surgery between 2010 and 2016 and then suffered serious complications, call right now. You may be entitled to financial compensation. Complications associated with Mesh include chronic pain, infection, adhesions, mesh migration, reopening of the hernia, and other serious injuries. Call right now. Call 1-800-799-2091. Again, that's 1-800-799-2091. And on Car Radio with Henry Payne, on the line with us, Cadillac Racing's program manager, Laura Clouser. How are things looking down there at Daytona Raceway? We've got a little bit of everything. The NASCAR team, an XF1 driver, of course, IndyCar, and then the Insta crew that really take the machine and show everybody what it's made of. Talking to Jim Morrison, who is the Jeep Ram chief. I'm happy to report that Grand Cherokee has been still a market leader for five years. We held the highest loyalty. The best car radio program in all of radio. And you can only get it here on 910 AM Superstation. 910, the Superstation. The oldest radio station in town since 1922. Riding along in my automobile. My baby beside me at the wheel. I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile. My curiosity running wild. Cruising and playing the radio. Particular place to go. Riding along in my automobile. All right, welcome back to Car Radio. You're on 910 AM, a superstation. Uh, no auto show in Detroit this year, but we've had manufacturers dropping into town showing off new vehicles. Case in point, this last week, BMW launched the new iX and i4 electric cars. Uh, that uh, Robin Warner and I were just talking about in the previous segment. They launched them at the Garden Theater in downtown Detroit, and uh, media was there to cover it. So you get these little mini auto shows as the manufacturers continue to roll out uh, new vehicles. I was at the Garden Theater. I sat down with Don Smith, who is the BMW i-Series product manager for North America, and we uh, drilled in to these two new electric cars, from BMW. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM, the Superstation, uh, hanging out at the Garden Theater, and uh, not for a play tonight, but for the uh, Detroit debut of the all-new BMW iX, and now I have four, the latest electric, all-electric models from BMW's i sub-brand. We're joined by Don Smith, who is the product manager for the i series. Don, how are you? Good, thanks. Great, uh, great to be here. Yeah, great to, uh, great to have you. And uh, thanks for bringing the car here. 
uh, cars here. This is sort of a national tour you guys are doing with the iX and the i4, right? It is. We're hitting up a few cities. Uh, we've done a few so far, and Detroit is now the main stop for us. Yep. Um, where else uh, can folks see these vehicles in the United States? Where, where else will you be showing them off before they come into showrooms in 2022? We have upcoming uh, stops in Atlanta and San Francisco as well. Uh, up until now, we've been in Los Angeles, uh, New York, and Washington, D.C. So, um, uh, the, the iBrand's been around a while. I think uh, the i3 was first shown back in 2012 as a 2014 model year car. Uh, talk, us, talk us through a little bit the concept of, of the i sub-brand in BMW and the significance of each, these two new cars. Yeah, so we did launch the BMW i3 roughly seven years ago. Uh, it was our first all-electric venture uh, for BMW. And uh, really, since then, we've used that, uh, what we've learned from that, to deliver this plug-in hybrids as well in the meantime. And now, here we are in 2021. At the end of this year, we start production with the all-new i4 and the all-new iX. We'll start retailing in March of 2022. And really, this is like the next phase of BMW's rollout of e-mobility. Uh, we started uh, with the i3, and now we have two great mainstream products. You have a mid-size uh, SAV or SUV, uh, and then of course we have a 4 Series Grand Coupe, the i4, and this is basically a sports sedan concept. Yeah, yeah these, these uh, vehicles, to your point, seem much more mainstream. The, the i3 and the i8 were cool vehicles. But they they were they were kind of eclectic. I three was very different looking uh, B segment uh, car, which is not a huge segment in the states. The I eight is probably the most beautiful car uh, that's been made in the last decade. Uh, uh, folks love seeing them on the street, but it was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car. These, these seem to be much more focused on the core. Uh, um, uh, the core customer for BMW. Yes, definitely focused on the core customer, but what's interesting is that a lot of the hallmarks of BMW i carry forward into both of these vehicles. So namely, sustainability is a core element of this. Uh, and those of you who do know the i3 and the i8, you're familiar with things like our olive leaf tanned leather, our sustainably sourced uh, wood trim, uh, and, and these elements made their way into the iX, for example. Uh, and we've even used repurposed materials in the headliner and in the carpeting and in the floor mats where we take fishing nets, we pull them back from the sea, repurpose that into a material, and then build that into the vehicle. So, um, yes, the i3 and the i8 were definitely unique in their segments and overall, um, but a lot of the philosophies of BMW i carry forward into these two vehicles. Yeah. yeah, and you guys talk a lot about sustainability. I mean, not not just in terms of uh, these these products as, as electric vehicles, uh, but also in terms of the entire manufacturing process. Uh, BMW is a brand uh, seems to attract a lot of different customers. I, I'm, a, I'm a BMW owner. I'm an M guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a green guy. I'm, a, I'm an oil-burning motorhead. likes to take M brands to the track. Uh, do you see the BMW customer as, as, as sort of these different niches uh, where there, there's a, a segment of the buyers that are passionate about sustainability as I am about speed? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, let's, um, you know, I, I don't want to get the impression that we're not focusing on being the ultimate driving machine. Uh, that is a core part of our brand. Uh, the difference here is that it's the ultimate electric driving machine, so they perform and drive like a BMW just simply with an electric powertrain. Uh, but as far as sustainability, this is really a core component of our overall corporate strategy. Uh, so, so no matter what it is you're driving, we're always striving to uh, use, uh, 
implement sustainability in every aspect. So uh, whether it's how we source the materials, what sort of energy we use to build the vehicles, uh, it's every step of the way that we are very cognizant of sustainability. Yeah, yeah. whether it's these vehicles or whether it's your gas-powered vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the, uh, there's, a, there's a lot going on in this, in this space, in the EV space. Uh, Tesla obviously has dominated for about a decade now with the skateboard platform. Uh, it's interesting with these vehicles, we were talking earlier, that these, uh, the, the i4, which uh, is very much in the tradition of the 3 Series, the iX, uh, very much a cousin to the X5, are born from existing platforms. Talk about your old approach in terms of uh, building these cars on uh, their platforms. Sure. Well, with the i4, uh, it does share its platform with the 4 Series Grand Coupe and the 3 Series. Uh, so you can get an electric motor or a plug-in hybrid or a conventional combustion engine. Um, but in this case, we're trying to build, a, like I said, an ultimate electric driving machine. So what better foundation than to use what is really one of the, the greatest sports sedans uh, in history. So we're starting with a really good starting point, a uh, very solid foundation, and now we're simply bringing an electric power chain to them. In the case of the iX, it's actually a little bit different because this is uh, more of a pure bed platform. You'll notice from the inside it has a flat uh, floor uh, with the batteries down low. Um, it is a cousin to uh, our other platforms, but it is unique in that it's not an electrified X5 or an electrified X6. It is uh, its own unique animal. Um, and it is two different approaches, but I think with each of these vehicles, we have an approach that fits that specific concept or that segment. Yeah, and, and you get into the iX, and it really does have the feeling of a halo vehicle for this brand. Very different interior, uh, not just the big screens, which are also in the i4, but also sort of a floating console. This is a very different interior for BMW. It is. It's, uh, it's very progressive, very modern looking. Um, for us, it was really about creating a sense of space in the vehicle. So we really wanted to target um, making the driver and the passengers feel at ease. So that, that's how the iX, uh, with the iX, we have this very simple and streamlined uh, interior. Uh, you mentioned the floating console. We have the BMW curved display. Uh, and also a lot of the materials that we use. So I mentioned the olive leaf tan leather. We also offer a uh, wool and microfiber blend, which is quite unique. Um, and, it, and it really is about sort of creating a lounge atmosphere, a little bit more modern and progressive. Whereas in the i4, once you hop into an i4, uh, you absolutely know what you're getting into. This feels like your classic BMW sports sedan. So it's um, best of both worlds, depending on what it is you're looking for. Uh, you guys have been doing some really uh, cool stuff with your screens already in the uh, in the in the BMW 3 and the uh, and the M4 that I was recently in. Uh, how, how, how do these? Uh, how, how does this interior, the technology here, take things to the next level? So, with both the i4 and the iX, we're debuting our all-new uh, operating system. So, this is iDrive 8. Uh, this is the next concept or, or next generation of our user experience. And one thing that's quite a bit different with this one versus our prior generation is we've actually reduced the amount of physical controls by roughly half. Um, however, we didn't get rid of all of these physical buttons. We didn't get rid of the iDrive controller. For us, it really was about the right balance. So, you know, you'll see some OEMs with pure touchscreen interfaces. Others will have, you know, an immense amount of buttons. We really wanted to find the right balance between physical controls, touchscreen, voice control um, for, for a very uh, excellent and unique user experience. Uh, and both of these vehicles will debut with, with this. Uh, in addition, we have now the debut of the BMW Curve Display. Um, it's basically two discrete screens, but they're integrated into one uniform piece of curved glass. Uh, and then the back housing is uh, magnesium. 
And uh, this is really like a modern digital interpretation of classic BMW driver orientation. So we've always developed our cars and our interiors to be in service of the driver, uh, to provide a great experience for the driver, great feedback, ease of use, um, and a curb display is really now a, a modern interpretation of that. Yeah. Uh, a, lot, a lot of electronics are also going in these days to, to the drive assist uh, area. You have uh, competitors like uh, Mercedes, like Tesla, they're doing things like automatic lane change, uh, other competitors like Cadillac, they're doing super cruise. Uh, what's BMW's uh, approach in that regard with the iBrand? So for these, it's a level two system. Um, it's comparable to what we have today. So we do have uh, features like automatic lane change. Uh, we do offer some level of hands-off. Uh, we actually have a driver-facing camera in between the instrument cluster, and that monitors the driver's nose and eye um, directions. Uh, and, and basically what this does is it allows the vehicle to monitor the driver to ensure that they're paying attention even when their hands are not on the wheel. So at the end of the day, you still need to be cognizant and in control even if your hands are off. Uh, and if you fail to do that, the car will then warn you with some yellow flashing lights. Uh, and if you then fail to, uh, let's say, uh, respond to, this, to the vehicle, uh, eventually it'll flash red and then the feature goes away. So uh, it's, it's a very safe system um, and, and definitely uh, Great feature of these two cars. So that's, that's geofence. You could, can you only use that on the interstate, or can you use that everywhere? Uh, it's not quite geofenced. Um, however, uh, it does work on certain road classes. So, so like a divided highway, for example. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, one of the coolest things uh, about these two new vehicles, the iX and the i4, is the iX has uh, something called a self-healing grill. <laughs> Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, grill is an interesting way to put it. It's actually now something we call an intelligence panel. Um, there's no Intel need Intelligent what? Uh, intelligence panel. Yeah. So uh, it looks like the classic BMW twin kidney grill, uh, but it's completely closed off. So uh, there's obviously no need to cool an engine. So it's closed off for aerodynamic purposes, and it houses sensors for the driving and parking assistance systems. And the self-healing aspect is basically a polyurethane coating uh, that allows minor imperfections to basically fill and self uh, fill in and self heal. Uh, so roughly 24 hours at room temperature, or a bit faster if you were to apply heat. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool, and I, I would expect we're going to start seeing that on a lot more uh, BMWs, not just the iX. Can't really say that, <laughs> but. Um, I, I think you could imagine that we have some technologies in, in these lead or flagship vehicles that will filter down to other cars. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, um, in terms of the nomenclature, uh, familiar nomenclature uh, with these cars, even though they're uh, badged as the I brand, uh, the I4 is the first uh, electric vehicle that gets the M badge. Uh, talk, yeah. talk about that, what makes this uh, uh, M car different than the base I, uh, uh, I4 and why you decided to bring it in now. Yeah, that's actually a great point. So I and M now combine or converge in the I4 M50. Uh, well, one difference between the I4 M50 and the I4 E-Drive 40 uh, is the difference between 335 horsepower versus 536. Uh, you're talking about reducing your 0 to 60 time from about 5.5 to 3.7. So it's bringing a ton of performance, uh, high output motors, and of course all of the other chassis dynamics that M promises or delivers on. So M adaptive dampers, M sport brakes, 
basically all of the excellence that goes into M vehicles now combined into an electric car. Yeah. The range for, for both the iX and the i4, about 300 miles. I think it's a little less for the M. Right. Uh, why is that? Well, for the M, you have, of course, more performance, so that's going to consume more electrons, so uh, that's one reason. But an another reason is actually the, the wheel and tire combination play a significant role in the range that you achieve. So the i4 M50 is optimized for uh, performance, sticky tires, wider tires, uh, which is detrimental to range. Uh, but it's really about balance. So on the one hand, you might prioritize 300 miles. On the other hand, you might prioritize 0 to 60 in less than four seconds, so it's really up to you. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. I have a, I have a Tesla Model 3 performance, and uh, it doesn't get anywhere near the proposed range because my, my heavy right foot is in it all the time. Um, the, the, uh, that 300-mile range, of course, is dependent on a charging network. How are you guys approaching that complex issue of char charging infrastructure? So up until now, we've partnered with EDGO. Uh, which offers public charging uh, nationwide. Uh, we are also working with um, other partners as well for uh, basically allowing drivers to receive uh, you know, charging credits on specific networks. Um, more, more news to, to follow on that one. Uh, but of course, charging is super important. Um, that's why we really focused on uh, both the, the home and public charging aspects of these cars. Do, do, do you all have a, uh, a sort of a, a, a charger system for customers? Uh, obviously, most people are going to use these as metro cars. They're going to use them out of their homes. Uh, do you guys give free chargers? Does BMW sell chargers for the home? So, actually, we are offering um, as standard equipment for both the i4 and the iX uh, something we call the flexible fast charger. And this actually works on both a 120, like a common household outlet, which, frankly, you would only use in an emergency. It's, it's really not optimal for uh, vehicles like these with sizable batteries. Um, but then there's an adapter, which will allow you to use it on a 240 volt plug. And it's 9.6 kilowatt, um, which will give you a pretty strong overnight charge. Uh, so in, in the case of the iX, you can go from 0 to 100 um, with this flexible fast charger on the 240, um, probably under 15 or 12 hours. Uh, and then the i4, probably around like 11 or 12. Um, but of course, that's not the maximum capability for the vehicles, which is 11 kilowatt. Uh, so if you did have, let's say, a separate charger or wall box that you bought as an accessory, um, you can actually do 0 to 100 on the iX in about 11 hours and uh, 0 to 100 on the i4 in uh, under 9. Yeah. But the idea was to supply this flexible fast charger, which works on both. Um, it just seems sensible that a customer would buy an electric vehicle and then have a way to really charge it in a proper way. Yeah. Well, Don, uh, we really appreciate you bringing these vehicles uh, down here to the Garden Theater. Great to uh, have them in Detroit and look forward to seeing them on American roads. Same here. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, and we're, we're excited. We can't wait for people to get behind the wheel of these cars. All right, so that was big news this week from BMW uh, detailing their electric plans uh, in the U.S. market. And there was also big news this week from Stellantis. Uh, Stellantis, of course, is the uh, new merger between uh, Chrysler, uh, Fiat Chrysler, I should say, and uh, the, uh, the the Citroen uh, Opel Group over in Europe. Uh, that that big umbrella of vehicles uh, across the pond, Europe and uh, the United States, is now called Stellantis. They also 
uh, debuted uh, a lot of electric cars uh, this week in something called Stellantis EV Day. Uh, we're joined now by Jerome Levin, a good friend of the program, to talk about this more. Jerome, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Harry? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Good to have you on the program. Uh, I think you're, you've been out enjoying this nice weather today. Did you shoot a good round down there at the Detroit Golf Club? Yeah, not bad. It's a you know it's a tough sport, Henry, and uh, you got to keep your expectations low. And the lower you keep your expectations, the higher, the, the happier you'll be. <laughs> well, the uh, to get outside though, that's for sure. Uh, the expectations are very high uh, for uh, Stellantis and electric vehicles. Uh, they're not the first um, U.S. Uh, company to hold an EV day. Uh, General Motors uh, held a big EV day uh, a couple years ago, announcing their electrification plans. Uh, now we have Stellantis, uh, Ford has introduced a lot of electric product in the last year, including a uh, Ford F-150 Lightning. This is a market, uh, Jerome, that's about 2% of the, uh, in the United States. Why this big emphasis on electric cars all of a sudden? It's not because consumers are asking in large numbers for electric cars. It's because governments, big governments, are pushing it as a way to reduce CO2. And um, we've seen this coming now for a couple of years, and the automakers were resisting it, I think, as much as they could. And finally, the the weight of the mo- and the momentum of the um, of the governments has become too much. If you look, if you look first into the European Union, you have a situation in the European Union where basically um, the tax is so high on. Uh, gasoline vehicles going forward that companies like Volkswagen know they'll be basically out of business. So they can't afford anymore to make gasoline vehicles and they have to they have to uh, make this transition. In China, which is a command and control economy, they don't really ask, they tell you. And if you don't do it, they have all kinds of ways to put you out of business. So entrepreneurs, uh, people in, in China have gotten the message and they're working on infrastructure, they're working on EVs. In the United States, we have a different system. Basically, we have a sort of a shifting political landscape where part of the a population is, is completely convinced that uh, CO2 propagation is going to incinerate the planet. And you have other people who are quite skeptical and quite happy to stick with gasoline. And so <laughs> we have this this, this uh, situation where uh, policy goes back and forth, and we move much slower in the EV space. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Now, Stellantis, as you mentioned, they were resistors. I mean, this is largely Chrysler, and Chrysler did not want to uh, get into the EV business at all for a long, long time and really dragged its feet. And uh, its, its late chairman, Sergio Marchionne, actually at one point, begged customers not to buy his EVs because they lost so money so much money on all of them. So it's it, it's really it's really interesting to see where all this is going to go. 
Yeah, and, uh, you know, Europe uh, has always been uh, a very different market from the United States. Uh, uh, China, obviously, is the, is the new big kahuna out there. So it, it sells sell uh, more vehicles in China now than any place in the world. But Europe, for the last quarter century, uh, tried to get its consumers into diesel. And uh, did that pretty successfully with tax policy. Uh, diesels never took hold. Uh, in this market, in part because gasoline is cheap. It's 2 to $3 a gallon. You know, why Why would people uh, switch to anything else when you uh, when you have 2 to $3 gallon, uh, dollar gasoline, which allows you this enormous range of vehicles, every, everything from a, uh, you know, from a, a Ford, uh, a, a Ford Echo Sport all the way up to these huge Ford F-150s. Uh, why would uh, this particular European trend uh, be any different in the United States? Why? Why do you think uh, U.S. customers would uh, go electric? Well, I don't think that U.S. customers, by and large, are really ready to go electric yet. Uh, now that could change if conditions change, but right now I think the, the, the mass market, notwithstanding Tesla and some other luxury vehicles that people will buy for the novelty or for uh, making um, some statement about uh, eco-virtue or, or just simply being the first one on the block to have an electric vehicle. And these people already, the customers for these cars uh, already have a couple of cars, so it's all right to add that to the fleet. But there's a really, uh, there's a really, there's a, uh, there's a great built-in uh, inconvenience right now with electric vehicles because they don't have, the same kinds of refueling options that gasoline do. Now, that can change, of course, if, um, if government and private industry or private industry on its own or government on its own decide to build a better infrastructure. But right now, how many charging stations do we have? I mean, I don't see too many of them around. So what's going to happen when people buy all these EVs that are coming to market? They're going to either be able to charge them in their garage or they're going to have to make be very, uh, you're going to have to plan very carefully to get to a charging station at a time when there's a, a charger open for them, and that's not convenient. So, so I don't think the American public yet is ready for it in large number. I think EVs will come someday, but the question is, will that be five years from now, ten years from now, twenty-five years from now? It's hard to know. Yeah. Well, and so it's interesting uh, to turn to Stellantis and see how they're trying to introduce electrification in the United States. I own a Tesla. Uh, Tesla's, Teslas have uh, 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 really taken a foothold in the luxury market. Uh, you see Cadillac uh, promising to go all electric by 2030. So there does seem to be a demand for electric vehicles at, at, high, at the high end of the market. And so here comes Stellantis in the U.S. market headlining Dodge and Ram, two of its uh, most distinct brands. And, uh, and I, I, I chuckle a little bit about how Stellantis is changing the, uh, the uh, tagline for these brands. Uh, Dodge, uh, which famously uh, has had uh, taglines like uh, uh, Brotherhood of Muscle, and uh, not uh, uh, domestic, not domesticated. Their new brand slogan is "Tear up the street, not the planet." Think that's going to work with the Dodge customer? 
Um, I think they're going to find it strange. I don't think it was really meant for the Dodge customer. I think it was meant for the uh, the legislators, the the, the members of uh, the House of Representatives, the senators, the people who work in uh, in Washington in uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I think that when I think when you come to the government and you begin to ask them, as if they're going to have to 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 install and pay for charging infrastructure, you have to make noise like you believe in the the ethics around keeping the planet clean, and I think that's what they're doing. I think they're, they're, they're being practical. I'm not sure that anybody at uh, Stellantis headquarters really believes in that uh, rhetoric as much as uh, uh, some might want to, want to believe, but they have to do it because it's politically the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, and so Dodge uh, is, is going to introduce a vehicle in 2024 that's going to be all electric, um, and uh, Tim Kaniskis is the CEO of Dodge. Is, uh, is is talking like a good old muscle car Dodge guy. He's saying this car is going to go zero to sixty in a uh, in the blink of an eye. It's going to have enormous torque. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, folks who are used to big revving V8s and Dodges, <laughs> if that's going to translate to electric car. But the other the other brand, and this really intrigues me, Barone. Uh, is Ram? Ram is also going to have uh, is promising a uh, electric uh, uh, Ram fifteen hundred pickup. And there's a, there's a, in, in this industry there is a lot of optimism that pickups pickup trucks are going to gain a lot of market share with electrics. Why is that? Well, I think that there's a lot of optimism, and there has to be a lot of optimism because basically the pickup trucks account for all the profits and much of the revenue of these companies of, of uh, Stellantis in the United States, Ford, as well as GM. And so if you're really asking the customers who have uh, supported these companies and kept them afloat by buying these full-size pickup trucks to now buy electric pickup trucks, then then you're really going to, then you're really going to um, need to convince them that uh, either by, by discounts or by other methods, you're going to have to, uh, convince them, persuade them to to uh, make that transition from gasoline. So, will that happen? I'm not sure, but uh, it's going to be unfolding before our eyes in the next couple of years. Well, and uh, Ram, of course, sells a lot of trucks to utilities, um, uh, to, to service industries, and so I think there's a, a lot of hope that those sort of regular routes uh, will will be beneficial to uh, those companies because maintenance costs of electric trucks are going to be uh, much lower in, in, in theory uh, than gas-powered trucks. Uh, Darone, the uh, Ram, uh, has, which has had slogans in the past like grab life by the horns uh, or gut glory ram, their new slogan is built to serve a sustainable planet. you think that's going to ring true with uh, Ram customers? I not only think it's not going to ring true, I think people are going to have trouble remembering it about 10 seconds after they hear it. It seems like a very tortured exercise to me to try to exhibit um, eco ecological virtue. And uh, I understand why they're doing it. And if I was the CEO of the company, I might have ordered it myself because I think they face forces, political forces and economic forces, which are overwhelming. 
Um, I have my own doubts about CO2 and how dangerous it actually is to the planet. Uh, climate is changing. Climate's always changed. Whether we need electric vehicles, whether we should push electric vehicles on people uh, remains a question in my mind. But uh, there's no doubt that it's coming. Well, and of course, now the the, uh, the last uh, brand is the most important brand, and that's Jeep. Jeep, Jeep uh, dominates uh, this um, uh, this this uh, this company, Stellantis. It's got a full line of SUVs. It's been it's been the prize every time a, a, a company, whether it's Daimler or uh, or Citroen, Opel. It, this is the prize if you buy a Jeep. Uh, Jeep, uh, their new brand slogan is Zero Emission Freedom. And they already have a electrified Jeep on the market. It's called a Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Uh, how do you think uh, electrification will translate to the Jeep customer? Well, I think that um, Jeep has a number of uh, issues in front of it. First of all, it's a very, very strong brand, as you point out. And I think that there are a lot of Jeep fans out there. Um, I think that there are also Jeep fans out there who've never driven an electric vehicle. And when they drive an electric Jeep, they'll be pleasantly surprised because it'll deliver the same kind of torque that your your um, Tesla Model 3 does. And they're fun to drive. And as you, as you would say, it never gets old to have that kind of torque. Uh, by the same token, uh, again, range becomes an issue. Convenience for charging becomes an issue. Price becomes an issue. Um, and also, there are little things like the temperature impact on batteries, which is severe. When it gets very hot and very cold, the range of these batteries diminishes. So it's not like exactly like filling your gas tank up. And the vehicles yeah. are very heavy as well. So all of these things people have to get used to, and they may or they may not. Um, in America, consumers can be very fickle. So we'll see. Well, and, and uh, what, what strikes me as true about Jeepo drone is they're not going all electric. I mean, unlike this all electric Ram, the all electric uh, Dodge that's coming, Jeep is just doing a plug in. So you can go 20 miles on your battery, but this is a brand that's about going to the outback, about <laughs> going, going where there aren't gas stations or charging stations. That seems to be a very different strategy. Yeah, I look, um, I think all of these companies for a while are, are going to have some mix of electric vehicles and gasoline vehicles. And if the consumer proves stubborn, as is my, um, my guess, government's going to have to adjust policy because they can't afford politically to have what happened to General Motors happen to General Motors again or to Ford or to Stellantis. So everybody's watching this. Yeah, no, it's uh, a lot going on in this industry. Uh, these are big investments. Delanus is promising an investment of $30 billion now uh, this decade going into electrified vehicles. It'll be interesting to see, uh, see where it all goes. Uh, Darone, uh, thanks for joining us. As always, uh, folks can find your work at Seeking Alpha. Where else? Uh, Seeking Alpha and... Better investing. Uh, if you're interested in investing, I urge people to go to our website, learn about how to choose stocks, how to invest, how to save for retirement, how to uh, create funds that will send your kids to college, all kinds of good stuff like that.
Betterinvesting.com. Yeah, good stuff. Tyrone, thanks for uh, joining us. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you, Henry. Take care of yourself. All right. uh, That will wind up our first hour here. We're going to hear from our sponsors. And on the other side of the break, we'll be talking with Stephen Cole-Smith about IndyCar and other forms of racing. You're on Car Radio, 9, 10 a.m. Visit Central Park Deli today and receive 10% off any purchase when ordering from our mobile app and enter promo code 910AM. Our new menu items include gluten-free wraps, spinach wraps, fried spicy buffalo cauliflower, and sweet potato maple cheesecake. Don't forget about our always delicious Seigensburg corned beef, our fresh hand-patty charbroiled 100% premium beef burgers, and our homemade teriyaki stir-fries. Central Park Deli has curbside service available and DoorDash delivery. Come visit us today. Are you looking for a great deal on advertising? Here at 910 AM Superstation, we're going to make you an offer that you can't refuse with our Godfather Package Special. You can receive 200 spots for $500. That's right, 200 spots for only $500. That's $2.50 per spot. All spots must stay within a 30-day schedule. And 910 AM Superstation will produce your spots for free. Please contact Renisha Williams at 313-434-8291. That's 313-434-8291. Please call now. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And And now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We asked people in Michigan why they got the COVID-19 vaccine. Because I am pregnant and we wanted to protect our baby boy. I believe in the science. Protect my friends and help our community. I'm ready to get back to somewhat normal. I want to hug my grandma again. COVID-19 vaccines are tested for safety and trusted by doctors. Find a vaccine near you at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services would like to remind you that when you get your COVID-19 vaccine, there may be side effects like cash prizes, a free vacation, or a trip to the Super Bowl. For a limited time, when you get your vaccine at select area pharmacies, you'll be eligible to win a treasure trove of amazing prizes. Don't miss your shot to win big. Schedule your vaccine today. For details, 